0: Welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, Role Playing Games Edition. This week we're talking about role-playing games. I'm one of your hosts,
1: Fletcher. (laughs) I'm Kitty. I'm Spencer. And I'm Chris.
2: This week we're talking about running your own adventures versus running a pre-published adventure. What are the pros and cons of each? Why might you do one or the other? Is one method easier than the other? And if you're new to running games, how does that play into the decision?
3: And if you think we've talked about this topic before, we might have, but we're going to talk about it again. <laughs> um, but first, we're going to say thank you to our Patreon friends on the show, Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, Sahara Wentworth, and the Gifted Games in Grace Lake. Also, welcome to our newest patron. And this is a friend of ours on both our Discord and our board game arena games. I don't know the actual name or gender, so I'm just going to say token fan forever because that's how they signed up for it in Patreon. <laughs> so welcome and thank you to all of our other patrons as well. Um, if we sound like we're confused, it's because... <laughs> um, you know. It's
2: because we're not professionals. It's
3: because it's Monday. Yeah. <laughs> all. It's, this is episode 275. Uh, it's been two weeks since we last got together. And um, yeah, we don't know how to do this anymore. But if you want to find <laughs> out exactly what happened pre-show, you can join us anytime. Well, not anytime. Mondays, eight thirty. Have fun. Talk
2: slash live.
3: Actually, at very specific times.
2: <laughs> very, very
3: specific times. Just
2: that one time, really.
3: <laughs> yes. Uh, you can also join us on Discord. That you can join us anytime. Uh, there's a link in the show notes if you want to join our Discord. And we also have a board game arena group that's been pretty darn active the past few weeks. So yeah. So let's talk about board game arena for a little bit. Um, I've been destroying people on this (laughs) online platform. Um, Kitty, have you beat
2: me yet? No.
3: (laughs) Not in anything. Not in one thing.
2: Not not a one. Nothing.
3: Nothing. Although, you're still... Well,
2: I might have... No, I don't think I beat you in anything.
3: So you're not as bad as Fletcher.
2: I've beaten Fletcher, I think, in everything.
1: (laughs) Fletcher's like, come on, she's as bad as me.
2: (laughs) I thought I
0: had more points than you, and welcome to...
2: Maybe. Welcome to
0: Not not by a lot. I think I had like two more points than you in Welcome to
2: We were very, very close in Welcome to. In Railroad Inc. I thought I beat you.
0: Oh yeah, you definitely did. Yeah. I was second I was second from the bottom. Because I had not played this version of Railroad Inc. before and I was like, this is different and I didn't understand how scoring <laughs> worked. And I probably should have like read Scrolled down to the rules. Yeah but um, that requires active work
2: utilize well because chris switched the expansion on me so i had watched a video on how to play with the expansions but we were playing with the river expansion and i was yeah. like okay cool i got this and then he switched it up to the lake expansion and i was like oh it's like the same but it wasn't no. well so <laughs> no.
0: one of the instructions that kind of threw me off in the beginning was like you must use old dice and I was like, but I don't want to use yeah. these two lake ones. And I just like put them in the corner and I did that for like a few rounds. I was like, I can't use these. I don't. And then I realized, oh, you don't actually you can u- you have to use all dice except for these two. So,
3: thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Heads up. You Display. have to use all the base dice, yeah. yes. <laughs> I know. Don- I feel bad because I destroyed on that last game. So, we played um Railroad Ink Blue with the Lake expansion and I got 77 points, which is an extraordinarily high score it's, in it's general. It's a lot of points. Just,
2: yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of
3: points. So it's not, there was a couple of people who actually did read the rules and knew how the how the system worked. Um, but there were some that did not. And it's still, it's probably one of my favorite turn-based BGA games because six turns, that's it. And everyone gets to act simultaneously. So it's really fast. And we will probably perpetually have a Railroad Inc. game going starting probably tonight. So, yeah, if you're interested in joining, you can join the Discord to get more information when we're going to do it. But join the the BGA group and you'll get information there, too. Um, Then we started playing Stella, which is it Stella? Stella or Stella? Stella. Stella. Stella! Um, I have (laughs) to
0: say, I actually... It it always throws me off in the notes. You spell Railroad Inc. I-N-K or I-N-C, like incorporated. When it's Railroad Inc., like an inkwell. Because when you first told me about this game, I was searching for Railroad Inc. And I was like, not getting anything to do with, you know, the roll and write.
3: Um, that is a very good point. I tend to spell things the way I want to... The way I hear them in my head. Not necessarily Railroad the way I expect people to read them. <laughs> but it's it's a play on Railroad Inc. But yes, there is a K. But now Stella is based on the Dixit universe. I mean, it's literally called it like a Dixit universe game. And I really... Like that, I don't like Dixit. I think Dixit's a little too loosey goosey for me. But Stella tightens up a lot of the aspects of Brown, these abstract card games and how you score and matching. And uh, this one's another one where I really, really like it. So, so far, most all except for Colt Express, I think I've bought the game after playing it on Board Game Arena. <laughs> so
2: uh, you have a problem.
3: I do, and I've been playing a ton of Final Girl for. I really like the game even though it has some pretty big flaws, but the game is still really 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 good. Kitty, I think you would love this game. It's a solo only and it's it's based on different horror movies and you are like the final girl in a horror movie and you are attempting to kill the killer before the killer kills you. And Such there's a trope. they come in like yeah, exa- <laughs> exactly. They come in feature film boxes and each feature film has a location and a killer. And that's like kind of like the default for that movie. But then you can swap and mix and match locations and killers. And then there's 10 different final girls. And that's the part that like kind of falls flat for me is the the final girls don't really have a lot of much that differentiates them. So I made an expansion this last week to basically makes characters that have lots of different skills and character development. But um, so that's what I've been doing this week, along with uh, I have the kids on my own because Sydney's in Disney World and she's having a blast there and which is only fair because i went on a cruise last week and that was the deal so that's been fun too and i'm exhausted and my kids have gotten me sick so i'm a little bit sniffly and i might sneeze at some point but we're gonna make it th- make it through this this is why we brought spencer on a because a a uh, role-playing game episode and b so that spencer can do more talking ready spencer talk
1: oh you want me to talk about something
3: yes
2: <laughs> it's really a shame that chris auto Otto- Cuts I, I all know. the silences so that's <laughs> nobody's gonna, gonna be hear lost that 10 seconds yeah. of silence
1: yeah. okay yeah um what do you want me to talk about chris
3: Games? i don't know how you how how you've been doing what have you been doing this week it's been two weeks since all of us have talked and um you know so how, how's stuff we missed our our crew last week so we did we're we still did stuck miss on that. mission like 28 or something like that
1: yeah or i don't know i've been with it been been busy stressed like uh you know kitty was saying we're, we're looking at moving soon um
2: that was before we hit record they yeah. didn't they yeah. don't know
1: but we're look we're, we're, we're look gonna at, be moving soon. we're gonna be moving soon <laughs> sort of sort of sort of <laughs> um yeah so th- there's been a lot of crazy back and forth of that but it looks like it's all coming together now that's been occupying most of my um mind heart and
3: soul
2: yeah and floor I'm space, and floor, really space. and floor space, space. <laughs> a lot of floor space occupied currently in our home
3: mm-hmm. You, you just need to put sheets over all the boxes so then the kids have forts to play in.
0: Kinda looks like your home's
3: abandoned.
2: Unfortunately, all of the boxes are full of extremely breakable things. So the kids keep trying to climb on the boxes. And I'm like, don't touch that. Yeah. Um, although I did also pack up all my board games today. And it really, um I didn't think I had that many board games until I started packing them in boxes. And that,
1: And now it feels real. It's like, oh, we're leaving. Yeah.
2: The games
3: but are you packed guys up. aren't leaving for months, isn't that like premature? Maybe,
2: packing? uh, we're trying to stage the house, and the realtor said that, um, four games didn't sell.
0: Yeah, oh, you mean cl- closets crammed with crap? Don't sell a house.
2: Hey,
1: we like, wa- we walked around the house with her, and I was like, okay, listen, don't be polite to us, be brutally honest. She's like, okay, get rid of this, get rid of this. This is bad, get rid of this. Like, yeah. oh, okay. it,
2: you know it's not like decorating advice it's staging advice it's yeah. different so she's like she's like i'm not trying to like be mean to your taste or anything but like you know basically in staging they're like open space as much open space as you can let people imagine their stuff in your space you yes. know so it's just a lot and of
0: constantly be baking getting cookies. rid of our things
2: yeah yes.
0: lots of light lots of open <laughs> windows Big, big spaces, Take down The route.
2: only thing that was allowed to stay are all my plants. Yeah. House plants are apparently good.
0: House plants are good. Yeah. Not too many family photos. She said to take them, them all down. None. We have
2: no family photos in our house currently, and it's okay. weird. Yeah. We even switched our Google Frames so that it is now a clock face. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it cycles through landscapes and a deer at a river.
0: Yeah. Empty out closets too. It's like, oh yeah, I only have four colored shirts in this closet, just like everyone
3: else.
2: <laughs> Actually her advice was don't worry too much about the closets as long as stuff doesn't fall out on people when they open it.
3: Is that, that's Which I would it might so we're gonna have to yeah, closet the closet work.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> and this is why I'm never moving again.
2: I mean that's um, our goal. Is after this, this is it. This is the last time forever. That's what, that's
1: what <laughs> everyone always says.
3: My hope on Thursdays, we're buying the house. I'm going to die in. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is in the middle of nowhere, so mm, there is and entirely possible. Yeah. Very
2: hauntable. Oh yeah. So yeah. Yeah. You know.
3: Yeah. At least thirty percent right. odds that place is haunted. <laughs> and, and I think this is a great segue to talk about homebrew versus pre published adventures, because. Um, you know, is it you are going to be home? Yeah, home. Because of the <laughs> Honestly, home aspect of what we were talking about. The next about.
2: pre-published adventure that I was planning on running before we started moving is, in fact, a haunted house scenario.
3: See, see, and, the segues yeah. are just layered. It's so well layered, um, like an onion. All right, Fletcher. I'm gonna. I, I like just randomly making you guys define things, even though it's not really about definition. But Fletcher, when someone about talks about, it's also about definition. When someone talks about homebrew, um, what do you think of? Because there's a mean? number of people that just go straight to beer, but um, I'm assuming that that's not what we're talking about.
0: I'm thinking about the package manager that I download onto my computer.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and about five percent of the people got that. Ma- Actually, this audience, maybe ten. By uh. <laughs>
0: By a friend of mine, Max Hal. I actually knew him and met him and hung out with him a few times. He's a cool guy.
3: Um, nice guy. Uh,
0: so when I think of, like, homebrew... So if we're talking about, like, you know, Dungeons & Dragons
3: or... Yes, yeah, so we're talking about role-playing games. Role-playing yes. games.
0: Um, so if you... When we talk about homebrew, it's some, someone... the you know, the GM has come up with their own scenario, their own story that they want to um, design a campaign around... It might even it, it might borrow like bits and pieces from like quote unquote first party content like in D and D it might take a play might take place in like Faerun or whatever um, using standard classes and all that kind of stuff um, but it honestly doesn't have to it could just use the core rules and that's it and you can just homebrew everything so um there's kind of like a, a lot of gray area there as opposed to like using the fantasy setting using all the classes using all the structure using the rules and just coming up with your own scenario or you know coming up with everything yourself uh, as opposed to you know i guess not homebrew you like strictly using all the first party content you can buy a first party um campaign book that will walk you through running a campaign and that is obviously not homebrew you're buying content published by um the content maker for you to you know run.
3: I like that. Uh Spencer, do you have anything to add or modify from that?
1: I'd say when I think of homebrew, I tend to not think of uh custom stories as much as custom like role-playing systems. Like instead of playing Dungeons and Dragons, we're playing uh castles and griffins that (laughs) I just made up. I don't know. Um but you know instead of using like a D20 system and just putting your own um Spin on it, or for for the storyline, uh, changing the way character progressions work, combat rules, things like that.
3: Kitty,
2: um, I think more along like Fletcher's lines. I think of um, more like homebrewed settings, um, or the the storyline within the setting as well. So,
3: yep. So, and and everyone is correct. So homebrew I hate it. When that homebrew happens. basically. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I want to be able to argue. Uh homebrew is basically anything that you make up yourself. So it can be rules. It can be, uh, you know, we want to play a particular class that's not in the core manual. I want to play a role-playing game that doesn't exist. So I'm just going to make my own. Um, Or it could be, I'm going to run my own world. I'm going to make the entire world just going to be my own thinking. Or, you know, like Fletcher mentioned, it could be inside of something else's world, but now you're running an adventure that hasn't been published inside of there. It is typically, I think... And actually, I don't know. So I've been role playing for a long time, and back when I first started, I never wanted to use like pre published adventures. I'm like, what's the point of using a pre published adventure when my players could just go read it and then you know they know everything and then you know. Th- but this is high school, but Chris. Then thinking. You and
2: learned h- how lazy players really <laughs> exactly. are. Exactly, <laughs> especially
3: adult to players. To the last episode, yeah, especially adult you think players. I'm going
0: to
1: read this. No. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I, I do that? I high school players might actually do that. It's yeah. true. But high school there players are might. Some, there's <laughs> yeah. always
2: someone out there who's like, they might not read the whole adventure, but they're going to go read like the spoilers.
1: I mean, actually, yeah. j- jumping ahead of are talking about drawbacks, I have been in situations where someone said t- this was in high school where someone's going to run a campaign and then just starts talking like, oh, that's so and so. Blah, blah, blah is going to happen or whatever.
3: Like, yeah. Yeah. So I never wanted to run a published adventure when I was in in high school. Because I'm like, no, no, no. I'm just going to make up all my own stuff. Now, it wasn't – obviously, I didn't start from scratch. I used source material. But as far as the story was concerned, those were all my own. And then, you know, the villains and the monsters and whatever, that stuff that I would pull out. I have still, to this day, don't really care to make up my own monsters. Um, I can change those things on the fly if I want to. But in general I'm like eh, why would I spend all this time like making up a monster when there are literally thousands to choose from <laughs> someone's the hard work nobody knows yeah like I don't need to do that aspect of it. I can just focus on the story itself. Um, but I don't know like Spencer, you we've all run games at some point, some of us more than others obviously but Spencer when you run, your games do you tend to c- go from like a pre-published outline or do you just not even bother You're just everything's going to be homebrew from scratch or someplace in, b- in the middle
1: uh, i lean towards homebrew so you know i'm not uh ab- above using some uh you know p- pre-published details of uh of a setting but a-, a big part of the fun for me is about is about is about making the story up as we as we go yeah.
3: and i think that's a good point i mean i think a lot of dungeon masters, like you don't get to create characters, but you can create worlds. And if that's what you want to do, if you want a creative outlet, creating that world and that story can be that creative outlet versus, well, we'll get to the pre-published stuff. But it, like, to me, it feels like I need to study to run a pre-published adventure where I get to create when I'm running a homebrew adventure.
1: Which are both, they're both work.
3: They're both work. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Kitty, you, you seem like you're more of a study person, if I had I'm, to guess.
2: I'm definitely more of a study person, but I think it also depends on the system you're working with and um, how familiar you are with being the dungeon master, game master, whatever. Um, so I do, I have only run Delta Green. And in Delta Green, I really like it because it's very often um, very like mysterious. And I don't like writing mysteries i don't want to come up with a mystery i don't want to be the one who's like oh no like how are they? like i like to have enough clues that i can make sure like you guys are finding the clues and like doing that kind of thing rather than trying to like i don't know i feel like if i tried to write a delta green operation it would feel more like a scooby-doo episode <laughs> and it's <laughs> not creepy so. and i would have gotten
0: away with it too
2: right so like you know, well, I feel like there are smarter and more creative people out there than me, and I will at least want to, like, be heavily influenced by the work that they've done.
0: I hope. I hope and mysteries are hard. I hope you run another <laughs> Delta Green epi- uh, campaign or just continue <laughs> along so we can, like, rename our police cruiser the Mystery Machine <laughs> and Duh. get a K nine unit. And...
2: As soon as uh, we are not in the middle of chaos. So maybe never again. I don't know. <laughs> nah.
1: We're going go so to go Fletcher- to rip the mask off the bad guy, and it's going to be something horrible that should not be seen, and then we're all going to die.
2: <laughs> Make <laughs> a sanity
3: insane. check. <laughs> yeah. Everyone dies. And now I got to go back to packing or unpacking, whatever the case may be. Um, so, Fletcher, what have you run in the past? If you, Did you do homebrew, or did you do uh, I more did, along the lines of like pre-published?
0: I did homebrew. I didn't even know pre-published was a thing when I was um, doing like AD&D stuff back in the day i don't think i've run anything since ad and d um not only did i know that it it may not have existed i'm sure it did but i don't know if it did or not but i oh it did i definitely didn't have the money to like buy any of those books anyway when i was like in elementary school like middle school and high school
3: i'd be like how much for this book 20 dollars gotta be kidding me yeah well and that's a good point too because so these days I have all the 5th edition stuff whether I ever plan to run any of these adventures or not. But that's not something that most people want, right? They don't want to just have books to have books. If you're going to buy a book, you want to like use it, read it, run it and homebrews cheaper. Like you can run an entire D&D campaign for years with essentially a monster manual and a player's handbook if you're fine like making up your own stuff. But it's I think to Kitty's point, it's not necessarily comfortable for new dungeon masters or game masters to run and create at the same time. I'm learning this system. Now I have to tell a story and I have to create this world. And to be honest, there was, you know, this tonight's topic could have been homebrew versus pre-published or bad GMs. I promise you, if you were doing all of those things (laughs) out of the gate, you'd be talked about in the bad GMs episode because it's just too much. You're taking on too much.
2: Um, Something that I have um, found really helpful now is um, there's a lot of, like, not necessarily, like, first-party pre-published stuff, but there's a lot of, like, third-party, like, pre-written campaign things. So, like, um, you can go on, like, drive through RPG or other places. Um, you'll see them on Kickstarter all the time, too. And you can get these pre-published adventures that are not necessarily coming out of, like, you know, Wizards of the Coast or, like, these big places that you can support, like, independent people who are doing um, smaller, like, things. And it, it's harder to gauge the quality, possibly. But you can find some really, really cool settings and stuff yeah. out there searching through these and they're less expensive and you can get a PDF. So you don't have big piles of paper collecting dust on your shelves.
3: Yeah. And I would say that if you're going to homebrew something, you do not need to start with an entire world, Mm -hmm. right? Starting with an adventure that you get off of, you know, drive through RPG for two bucks. That's I mean, that's not homebrew at that point, but it gives you an idea of what people are doing to homebrew. Right. Because if you're going to create an entire world before you run anything in it, you're doing it wrong. Like you just are,
1: (laughs) and like it's hard to know. It's hard to know where to stop, right? Like you gotta. It's really easy to turn yourself into Tolkien if you're gonna write write your whole world before you sit down. Like, well, I need a history of this. Where do these people come from? Oh, what does their language sound like in the
2: beginning? (laughs) The universe was created by. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, some
3: people are. That's fun for some people, and if it is fun for you, then you're not doing it wrong because you're still having fun doing it. But if you're just trying to run a game. You only need to know what's going on within about five miles of where the players are going to be at.
2: Also, just know that, like, even if you're having fun and it's great, like, the players may never know 90% of what you have written. Like, they may choose to explore such a small fraction, you could be like, oh, look, there's this temple over here which you enjoy exploring. That. Nope. And they'll never know about the entire religion you invented because they <laughs> didn't feel like going in that temple. <laughs> like, you know, it's just you never know what the players are going to do. And as long as you enjoyed writing all of that, just know that that was the fun of it. Not them walking into it, but the writing. <laughs> so
3: Well, and even when you're reading pre-published adventures, so I just picked up, Um, I don't know if you guys, this is kind of a tangent, but not really. Um, Have you guys watched the um, uh, Legends of Vox Machina Machina on Netflix yet? What? Nope. No. Uh, No, not Netflix. It's Prime. Amazon Prime. Um, This is the Critical Role season one animated series. And you told us
2: to watch it. We haven't haven't done done anything because we only pack.
3: We don't do our. Homework. I've, <laughs> I've never, I've never listened to a critical role play or anything like that. But holy, it's so good. Amazon Prime, Legends of Vox Machina, it's so good. Mach, mach, machina. I think I'm saying it right. Yeah. Um, but it's essentially, it's very adult. Um, Matthew's being, like basically saying yes, very adult. Um, actually, it's very adult. But the point I'm trying to make is I picked up the s- campaign guide for the setting because I'm like, okay, this is actually kind of cool. I'm going to go, you know, get the campaign guide for this. And it has, like, all the backgrounds and what's going on in the world and the entire religious system and all that. And, I st- and I'm just, like, kind of just glossing over all of it. When I come to any kind of Pantheon system, I just kind of flip completely past that whole section. <laughs> um, because I'm like, I can't keep track of 73 different gods And if I'm making up my own campaign world, there's only going to be like maybe six, right? Uh, I think actually one of the, the games that Spencer and I played, the next campaign we played, I based the Pantheon on the adventuring party that was the last campaign. So we advanced like a thousand years and those seven characters became like the Pantheon for that campaign. And it worked for that Situation because everyone like was familiar with those characters and they had their own little, you know, places to be in there. But that's it. Otherwise, it's like, yeah, there's a good god, there's a bad god, and okay, now let's fight goblins. Yeah. So yeah. But some people really like coming up with all of that stuff, and the game is better for it if the GM's like really involved in that. But it's hard to convey that to the players. Even if the GM knows everything that's going on, the players aren't going to know everything that's going on. Because again, listen to the last episode, players are lazy and they're not going to do that homework. (laughs) And all you really need to do, like if you want a pantheon of 20 gods, one piece of paper, one sentence per god, there you go. That's all you need because that's all anyone's going to really care about except for maybe one or two, your cleric or paladin might be like, okay, I want to get deeper into what this god is all about. But typically you're not going to need to explore all of that stuff.
1: Well, it depends, right? So if you're... Playing in a uh, you know a pre published setting like that, you've got a book with this pantheon of gods. You as the as the GM, or the DM, whatever, can uh, you can ignore that up until someone's like, all right, well, I walk into the. Temple of who's your daddy or whatever the god. <laughs> so, so you go in and they're like, you don't know anything about that god yet. And then you just flip to the paragraph in the book and you're like, okay, according to the priestess, who's your daddy is the blah, blah, blah. blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then just read that out. And now, and now you've got that there. So it, you have this yeah. little depth of, uh, of detail that you can dig into when you need it.
2: But yeah. there's also something fun about you know, you don't know until they walk into the temple and they say, what's going on there? And, you know,
3: they say, Who is you your get daddy to make it, it up on the fly. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> it's not well, a tomball.
3: Yeah, actually, I mean, it was interesting because the campaign that we were playing was a Dark Sun campaign where there are no gods and because they've all just abandoned the the planet. So I didn't have to w- worry about pantheons in that campaign. Maybe that's why it lasted for two years and I didn't have to worry about a pantheon. <laughs> um, but yeah. I, I mean, so that's the kind of stuff when you're homebrewing though, you just, you need to focus on the specific things. If Spencer created a paladin and that paladin was gonna, you know, like, no, 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 I'm a paladin of vengeance to who's your daddy. Then I would be like, okay, let's talk about who. what is who's your daddy? What do they do? Also, this is going to be a, a real thing <laughs> soon enough. <laughs> but otherwise I'm not going to ruin it up. Now the pre-published stuff I don't care because now Spencer's just flipping through the book and be like, okay, which one gives me the best stat bonus? Which one matches the alignment I want? Um, okay, this one gives me a cool spell. Okay, that's the one I'm picking. And then you worry about what that god stands for.
2: I don't know. I always like to build my characters the opposite way because I am all about stories. I I know, (laughs) but I'm all about like, my character has these traits. What would they have grown up with? What are you know, like I I like to create the stories and like, I don't know. I feel like I come to you like, look, I've made this beautiful thing. And you're like, yep, you sure did. Tut tut! We'll never talk about your god ever again.
3: <laughs> it's not on purpose. It's just <laughs> I hard. Know. It's
2: not well. It's not what interests you about the game, and I think that's something about homebrew that can be hard. Is you know, it it is about what is interesting to the person writing the game, and it can be expansive or it can be narrowing. So you know, that there are so many people who have worked in these pre-written worlds that they they have all flushed out, like, they fleshed out. Sorry, not flushed. <laughs> they
0: flushed it out. They all
2: like fleshed out their, they flushed it. Um, they fleshed out their areas of interest so that the whole world is very meaty and you can get into it. Okay. Whereas with a homebrew, there's only one person who's filling in what they care about. And so if it's not what the players care about, it can be
3: Well, it's empty. even different than, it's a little different than that, especially if it's one player who's like, okay, I really want to go deep into this particular, you know, Pantheon. There's like four or five other players at the table, too. So if everybody is like, no, 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 we definitely want, you know, a heavy God's Like take a big front stage in the game, then you can kind of flesh that stuff out. But it has to be the whole table wants to do it. Otherwise, you have the same problem. It's like, well, I'm a ranger and I want to talk about my bear a lot. And I'm a rogue and I want to talk about my stabby stabby stuff a lot. Or I want to have traps that I can disarm all the time or whatever. You still have to balance all that stuff together, which is why it's hard when you're homebrewing to have something that everybody at the table can latch onto, but then you have to keep track of all of that as well. And when you are homebrewing, it helps if the players are more involved sometimes because then they can help create those aspects of the world. Uh, but not all players want to do that. Like, I don't really get the feeling that you guys want to be a part of creating the world and creating the story. You want to be... Presented the story and make decisions within it, but you don't want to be like, "I want to name this NPC and tell you what his hair color is and what kind of clothes he's wearing." Nope. Some of you might, but mostly not.
2: I like to. Um, I don't know because I like to work in within a, a, a framework. So if you like say like, "Oh, you meet this person," I can come up with like name and hair color, sure, but I don't want to come up with like his motivations or because like that should be kind of like known otherwise why have we encountered this person you know like we shouldn't just be encountering random people and i'm trying to give them significance but i i'm happy to help you know like i mean like hank and dean stuck around way (laughs) longer than necessary because i had too much fun naming them in that campaign and we didn't want them to die because i had fun naming them
3: (laughs) and that's the buy-in aspect of it Mm -hmm. so all right so now the other side of it and this is where, so we, Fletcher, you weren't a part of this, but we played Pathfinder for a little while, uh, where I learned that I definitely, definitely don't like Pathfinder. <laughs> it's um, Kitty's favorite game. I love it so
2: much. <laughs> but I, so bad. No one ever wants to GM it, and I know why, but...
3: Yes, but so it. in that in that stint, and this is between 4th and 5th edition D&D, uh, I decided to run an adventure path, and an adventure path... In Pathfinder is a six book series that runs you through an entire campaign arc and a long campaign arc. Like this is like year to years. two year long. <laughs> yeah. Um, the problem I had with it was I felt there's a couple problems. One, it came out in six different issues. So if you were trying to run them as they came out, you weren't necessarily sure where the story was going. Two, it was six books and In order to understand whether or not I could kill a particular character that popped up, I had to read all six books to say, okay, is this person going to be important later? And like that aside, I also felt so constrained by what I could let you do or explore that it just became so much work to make sure I was staying on the path of the adventure path. And... I did not feel like I was doing anything besides like looking stuff up and studying for the next session. And that to me.
1: Was this also the one that we were playing on the mythic rules? So our characters were way overpowered. So on top of all of that, (laughs) it was probably impossible for you to prepare for any combat because we could just punch way above our, our weight.
3: Yes. Well, and and the whole pick campaign path was set for that mythic level. Like that's the whole idea for it is it was going to be like this major world spanning demons attacking type of thing. It's just, it was just so <sighs> I understand why players being on rails is not interesting, but when the GM is on rails too, it's really not interesting. And I cannot a, a single, a single adventure or, you know, you know, two to ten hours of an adventure, no problem. I can stick with that. That's fine. But when you go beyond that, it is really hard for me to stick to the script. Even the last campaign that, you know, is currently on hiatus, at about six months, I'm like, I I can't do this anymore. I can't run this mega dungeon anymore because it is boring as can be. Like, I can't stand this. There's nothing here for me to grasp onto. And... Uh, so I'm like, oh, yeah, I just I need to change it up.
2: I mean, I think that's part of our our gaming group, though. I think we're very much um, episodic gamers. That we really like, um, you know, the two hour session. There's like a start, middle, end. There's like an overarching like theme, but like it's more like you know Law and Order than it is. I don't know. A show that's not Law and Order. Are there <laughs> any, any more? I think it's just Law and Order now.
3: It's all Law and Order. <laughs> it's all Law and Order. It's all, all Law and Order. <laughs> well, I mean, I like the long campaign stuff. Like, our, our Dark Sun campaign is by far the most successful campaign I've ever run. It lasted for two years with the same group. Um, I, I mean, it was so successful that halfway through, I broke up with one of the players and we kept playing the game together. <laughs> So, like, that worked out really, really well. And once you have a campaign like that, it's like everything, nothing can live up to that anymore, right? It's like, uh, you know, whatever. But also, we're in a different place. That was before we had kids, before you guys were married, like, certainly before I was. Like, I didn't play had, in
2: that because I didn't yeah. play games like that then.
1: <laughs> right. Was that, was that the same campaign that was, like, the basis of our friendship, Chris? Yes. yes. I met yeah. you playing that game.
3: Yeah. Playing that game. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, meeting, we met through a party that you were at, that my girlfriend at the time was at, and she invited you to play D&D with us. And then, because I, I,
1: I hung out all night <laughs> drinking with your girlfriend.
3: Yes. <laughs> and then, and then several weeks later, I'm like, "Hey, do you and your uh, fiance want to move in with me?" And and you're like, "Well, you should probably meet her first. Um, <laughs> and
2: here we are. And here
3: we are. <laughs> exactly. So that's what D&D can do. Uh, D&D so yes, D&D it was a very lives. successful. It does. So it was a very successful campaign and that was the world was pre-published. So I knew the dark sun world. I'm like, okay, this is a world where the gods have abandoned the world. Magic essentially has destroyed it and turned into this like huge wasteland. And there's these city states with these like benevolent leaders, godlike leaders, um, that are like overseeing all these cities.
1: I don't remember them and, being
3: very benevolent. <laughs> um, maybe not benevolent. That's not the right word. They were, they were. Not nice, not the opposite of benevolent.
1: Ma- probably. Ma- malevolent? Mano- malevolent. malevolent, Malevolent. yes, malevolent.
2: <laughs> and this has so, we be started so good audio. I'm so sorry, everyone. Just listen to us try to pronounce things. My goodness, like but we YouTube started channel.
3: at level, I think, <laughs> I think we started at level like one or three or something like that, really low level. Um, and then we eventually got like max level, and in fourth edition, that was level 30. And the storyline was essentially you guys going around to all these cities and overthrowing these evil leaders and freeing the world and bringing magic back to the world and um, becoming the gods of the world, which is why we advanced like a thousand years and suddenly you were the gods of this lush green planet. But um, that that wasn't written anyplace. There was no story that was published for that. But I also stole a bunch of stuff, stole, lifted, used – a bunch of stuff like miniature encounters or um, different scenarios or uh, personalities or something that showed up in the world. And I would just place them and use them as worked well in that storyline. And that was my favorite way of homebrewing the adventure, but having a foundation that I could draw from. So I didn't have to create everything from scratch. And I thought it worked out pretty well. I, I don't think I could do it again today. We just, I don't have the right, I don't have the stamina to do that again. Also, it probably helped when you all lived together. Didn't start that way. Yes. It didn't start that way. But everyone was dedicated to show up in person for like a four to six hour session once a week.
0: Everybody lived within
2: Saturday six six mile radius. Yeah. Yes. No (laughs) one was coming an hour and a half to play this game.
3: Yep. And the players were really, really bought into it. Like we had actually there were multiple. There was um, Rob and Jessica met and got married in that game. That's right. Mm-hmm. So it was like I said, it was it was a long term type of of game. And but everyone was super involved and everyone had their own thing. They brought to the game. Rob wanted to diplo everything. It's was like, let's <laughs> let's it was like diplomacy, diplomacy, diplomacy. I think his character probably changed more than any other character as well. Because he would get bored and like, I want to try something different. I'm like, okay. Um, and then I just remember Spencer wore armor of, made of faces of his enemies.
1: Of the bene- benevolent dictators that we were <laughs> <of> people from. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh, yes. So that's my homebrew in a pre-published world story. So I guess, I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't really know where this is going. I'm just saying there's no wrong way to do this, right? <laughs>
2: No. Which one's better? What I like Like to do is much more like, so Delta Green is tricky because it mostly takes place in our world. It's the real world, but not. So there's no world building. There's like, and it's fun because like most of the settings, you know, they're like, they're suggested where in the country they're supposed to go, but you can put them anywhere. So, you know, like. I can say, oh, the, well, it was written in Connecticut, but no one here knows Connecticut and our group is based out of Chicago. So I'm going to put this in, you know, Iowa. We're going to go out to like, uh, Dubuque. That's where this house is now. This is where it exists. And you guys are familiar enough that, you know, it's more fun that way. And then, um, I, I do like to mostly go with how the, the scenario is supposed to go. But there's moments that, you know, something will inspire me in another way. And I'm really excited. We have to run this because I have this one NPC who was written one way, but I... The way that the the scenario is written, (laughs) you hear a lot about him before you read his description. So by the time I got to his description, I'm like, nope, that's not who that guy is. (laughs) I like created a different feel for the character. He still does the same stuff, but you know, um, it it's more fun for me to make it put my own spin on things and do things a little bit. That way, but I I don't like to completely freeform things, so yeah, it, it's nice I think to have a, structure there.
3: Yeah, that's a great way to modify to make something homebrew too. Is and it makes it easier to run if you read through something and you try to match the personalities and because most adventures these days will say, okay, this person is this type of person. They have this kind of list. They have this kind of like quirk about them or whatever. If you try to memorize all that stuff, you're you're going to forget most of it. Right. Or you're going to be looking it up or whatever. If you relate it back to someone you know Mm -hmm. and be like, Oh, this, this person. Oh, yeah. This is a Fletcher. Um, yep. Okay. Oh, and this is definitely a Spencer. And, and like often confused, put that in your head. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I do it more as, like, celebrities. So, like, uh, oh, it's from this TV show. Oh, like, this person reminds me of Kristen Bell, so we're going to play it like that. Like, this is too much, like, The Good Place or whatever it is, you know. Like, yeah, whatever
3: works for you, sure. Yeah. You
2: know, create your own way of doing things. Yes. But it is more fun if you're drawing from a personality than trying to play the character as written, I think. You yeah. have to make it you have to make the character real to you to make them feel yes. real to the players.
3: And you don't need to follow the story either. Like a lot of these so I listened to a podcast called Down with Down with D. Um actually no, it's Mastering Dungeons now. They changed the name. And it's two designers that review I mean, they do a lot of stuff. Mostly they do D and D news, which is what I listen for. But then they talk about different adventures and they go through the adventure book and they're constantly critiquing things left and right. It's like, Oh, I wouldn't have done this or this is really confusing or like in order to make this work, you really kind of have to do this and this and this. And I agree with most of the, most of what they say, but I also think they're, they're ultra critical. But, um,
2: what? Someone with a podcast is super opinionated.
3: I mean, it's just the way that works. Um, (laughs) But I think what it is, is you have to, you have to make the story your own. Even if you're running a pre-published adventure, you still need to make it your own. So it makes sense to you. Otherwise, it's never going to make sense to your players. And you have to feel like, okay, even though this is a pre-published adventure, this is still just inspirational material and I can follow it closely, but I do not need to follow the rationale of why these things are happening. I can make anything I want as long as it ties together and it makes sense to me, I can make it make sense to the players. Otherwise, what ends up happening is like you have 10 different towns and the players can go to all the different towns, they could do all these different quests inside of these different towns, but you have no idea why to present, how to present that. It's like, "Oh, you're at town A. What do you want to do?" "Uh, I don't know. Go to town B?" "Sure. Okay, now you're at town B." Like there's there's no no through line there that allows you to convey information to the characters because there's just too much to do and a lot of these big mega adventures are kind of written that way where they're very sandboxy and you're like i don't even know how to present this i don't know how my (laughs) my players are going to know any of this um and yeah like we were running dungeon of the mad mage right it is just a giant 30 level dungeon and each one of them takes, you know, six to ten hours of real time to get through.
2: And I loved Why?
3: it. Why? Why are you going through this dungeon? <laughs> I was be so
2: much fun.
3: It's not a story was, at that point. It's a combat
1: simulator, yeah. which can yes. be fun, right? But it's, it's it, different. Regardless of the, yeah, what's really most important is that every one of the tables on the same page about the kind of game that you're playing.
2: So uh, you know what I just realized? is that's Puzzles. What I liked about that game (laughs) is it was just puzzles. Each combat scenario you walked into, they were built and set up as like, how do you solve the puzzle of this combat? And that's why I loved it. So, oops, all puzzles. (laughs) It was made for me. And that's why no one else liked it. I liked
1: it. I liked it.
3: Yeah.
2: The nerds liked it.
3: <laughs> I well, I think actually, I think all you guys liked it because you know you got to level up your characters, fight things, kill things, solve um, the
2: puzzles, but you weren't solve the, the puzzles. puzzles, so it wasn't as much yes. fun for you. We
3: got to hang out, goof around, roll dice, and yes. kill things. Like, yep, that's fun. Honestly, maybe that was the problem, and and so and I know that I shouldn't do this because now. You know, twice I've tried to do this, and both times I'm just like, I cannot follow a two year storyline that's not my own. Like, I think I could make a mega dungeon and just make it ahead of you. That would actually be interesting to me. And then the dungeon can actually change based on what you do. Mm -hmm. That to me would be something like that's just what I should have done. And I could use the dungeon of the Mad Mage as source material. I could lift it if I needed to, but I didn't have to follow that material. Because you guys don't care. You're not talking about with your friends online being like, oh, man, that, you played the same adventure I did. Well, this is what I did, and this is what happened here. Because then you'd be like, wait a minute. You didn't have a storyline going through that? You just kept going back to the tavern and getting a new quest to go back into the dungeon, which is how that thing is written. It's like You're supposed to go down, do a quest, come back up, get another job, go back down, do quest, another quest. Go back to the you quest get- board. You guys yes. didn't have to
1: make sacrifices to Who's Your Daddy.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's the central point of the. I mean, you can't not have the dungeon without Who's Your Daddy. Yeah, but not so that's the thing. That's what I'm taking away from this. Is I can put you back in that dungeon, but now it's it's just a big black fog underneath the level you're at until I need to create it, and that. It'll just get created out of nothing. That's what I like to do. That's, I like to improv. Improv brew, I
1: think.
0: <laughs> more
3: than yeah, anything.
1: I, I like to do that too. But the, there's there's pluses and minuses to everything. And there's a big time uh, component that you have to put in there because it's a lot more prep going into any given session. Because you can't, there's there's only so much improv you can do on the spot.
3: If it's theater of the mind, I could improv the entire campaign. Yeah,
2: because if you it's cheat.
3: If it's kidding, no. It's not cheating if you're the DM. <laughs>
2: Suddenly, the bad guy is right behind you where you hadn't seen him before.
1: Oh, he's behind that rock that's in the middle of the big rock that's in the middle of the room. There's a big rock in the middle of the room?
2: How did oh, I not I, notice that?
1: Oh, I definitely said that. No, you didn't.
3: Yeah. I, I did. You just weren't, weren't listening. No, no, he's hiding no, behind no, the you, rock. You can't hit him. You, you didn't ask if there was a rock, so therefore you didn't know. <laughs> um Yes. If I'm, if I'm going to make maps, though, the maps are the part that's like the most annoying. Um, because if you, if you want to have tactical combat, you have to have tactical maps. But when I was running fourth edition, that was all my prep. My prep was making three encounters for every six-hour session. And once I had those encounters done, the story could be fine. And honestly, those encounters, as it's, you know, been 10 years, so I can say it now, the encounters were going to happen regardless of what you did. It's just the story of how you got in and out of those camp encounters would change. Um, because like there's just fourth edition for D&D was notorious for like, it's all combat simulation, no story. We had a lot of story, but I knew that I could stick in those combats wherever I needed to so that you guys could like use your cool stuff and do your combat simulation stuff. But it still advanced the story as we were going through. And some of them were completely improv. One of the best ones... Is when you guys, and this is going to be like, let me tell you about my game, but let me tell you about my game. <laughs> um, <laughs> you guys split the party, right? Where you were. You're- in some, there's a gladiator arena stuff going on and a prison break going on at the same time. And you split the party where half the party was participating in this gladiator arena. One person was in the arena, two people were in the stands helping out that person. And then the other three people were sneaking into this, you know, jail to break out the prisoner as the gladiator stuff was like the distraction. And all of that, that whole, like, combat encounter was all improv. I had no idea you were splitting the party. I had no idea that you were going to do this. This plan, like, just came out of nothing. And I just ran it as if it was all one combat happening at the same time, going back and forth. But they were just completely separate maps you were running on. And that encounter could have never actually happened, I don't think, in a pre-published adventure. Because – how would you ever know the characters would split in that way and, and, you know, try to break into the prison in that way by causing the distraction over here? And that's what you can do if you just free yourself from this printed material and let yourself be like, okay, this sounds fun. Let's make it work. Um, now we had gone, we had been playing for over a year when we got in there. So we were very comfortable with our characters and with the system. Um, but yeah, no, homebrew wins. Yep. That's it. Don't buy pre published (laughs) adventures; they're lame. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. know. I mean, like,
1: well, I mean, like you had said earlier, sometimes pre published adventures can be a good shortcut to homebrew. That you look at it and you get your details from that, and then you tweak it from there. Yeah,
2: this has just really inspired me to play the scenario that I actually have already prepped, and I just need to get you guys to you know sit down and do it. So just stop being busy.
3: Pick a day. Stop being busy. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not a fan of it. Now, nah, even even though, like, I don't know where that the arena prison break thing came from, but I'm betting it was an encounter that I read someplace and said, oh, this would be a cool drop-in. Um, you know, dr- you get inspired by these one-time encounters, drop it in, modify it to your uses. Like, if you're going to run a long campaign, it's a great way to do homebrew stuff, but also be inspired and have various, you know, different things go on. So, Fletcher, are you going to run a game for us at some point in the future?
0: Uh, If you really, really want me to. I mean, I I like...
3: (laughs) A little bit.
2: (laughs) We really, really do. We're sick of Chris.
3: I'm sick of me.
0: Well, I'll think about it.
3: (laughs) All right. Let me ask you this. And so just in general, if we said, hey, Fletcher... We want you to run a game for us, a Saturday game, so four to six hours. Um, this presumes a lot of things, but just you know, I handwave four that. to six hours to game on a Saturday. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's just assume that it, it came up, and now you have four to six hours of precious time because we don't have a lot of this time would you approach it with, okay, let me go find a good module or would you say, okay, let me sit down with the dungeon master guide and the monster manual and come up with an adventure or like, what would your approach be I'd to make it. us happy for six hours?
0: I'd homebrew it. I'd set it in like the, you know, classic realm of D and D. Um, and I just probably come up with a, a loose story, uh, you know, with a beginning hook that, We'll lead somewhere and then, you know, let you guys kind of decide
3: where where to go from there. Um, So you just uh, you'd homebrew a hook and then improv the rest.
0: Well, I mean, I'd have some kind of like overarching story in my mind of like where the breadcrumbs will lead you, you know, eventually. But
2: probably some encounters ready for us to, you know, get into.
0: Yeah. Uh, A few basic things. Um, But I wouldn't I wouldn't you know write a whole story or like okay like today they're you know going to do a b and c (laughs) it'd be more like okay like they're starting off this campaign you know in a mining town so i'm gonna need you know like a woods map a town map and then like a mining map and what are some monsters that will fit into all of those or some of those scenarios and you know mix and match kind of like come up with that
3: see i would play in that I'd also play if you're like, nah. I just get something from the dungeon master or the DM guild and and run that. I'd be pretty flexible. I no. I want you to I want you to run a game. I don't even care what system it is. I'm curious what it is to put Fletcher behind Shadow the Run. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. I, hey, if you want to learn the system to run it, I will learn the system to play it.
2: <laughs> I want somebody to run a Star Wars game.
3: I've played in a few of those. I had a lot of fun. I'd do a Star
1: Trek. I don't, know I don't,
3: one, one. I don't even know if there's a Star. There's, there's Star be Trek. A Star Trek. Yeah. yeah. There's a Star Trek. Actually, There's
1: You know what might be fun is if we just started picking like esoteric games that none of us have played and said we're going to play a one off of this and just rotate who's going to run that game.
2: <laughs> That's literally what glass cannon has been doing. <laughs> yeah. I but mean, we
1: could we just do it for a, ourselves cuz it's could. fun. We
2: could.
3: <laughs> yeah. We were doing that for a while too like between Pathfinder and 5th edition. Yeah, no, no, Chris no. We got
2: bored with Pathfinder. No, you it, no, it was after 5th edition.
3: Yeah, Pathfinder went into fifth edition. When did yeah. we do? Um,
2: um, we did Savage Worlds after
3: Savage Worlds um,
2: after path, after fifth edition. Because fifth edition, we started playing when we were living all in the um, we were living in your game room. That's right. And that's then true. we uh, we were playing Savage Worlds at the, um, at building. the
3: building. Yep. And I still want to run a Key Forge, probably one off, but that's an entire. Its own system on top of that. That, but the Keyforge system uh, is the same system as the Star Wars system. So if you learn that system, you can also play Star Wars with the same stuff. So, yeah, we just need you know to be in college again and have lots of free time and not have to move and have t- small kids and uh, we just need to be Fletcher. We all need to be Fletcher because
0: I have so yeah, much free he's time. The one who's so
2: flexible and has so much time. <laughs>
3: Uh, we can get Fletcher to go places.
0: I mean, I I'm the one Sometimes. that spends like an hour and a half traveling to, to you guys on <laughs> the train. That's true.
2: There's not even a train to new house. <laughs> <laughs>
0: there's there's no way to their new house. Yeah, is there? Do I need a do I, a donkey? Do I need a? There's claw a train.
1: Like? There's a train to a station that's. 15 to 20 minutes away from the house. Does Juan no, Valdez need I to don't. guide me with his uh, mule
0: down to your property? Or how does that work?
1: Yeah. Well, the guest yeah. a bedroom, you, though. A,
3: so if you make yeah, the you trek, take, you
1: could spend the night.
3: You'd have to take an Amtrak. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Greyhound bus. <laughs> 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 oh okay um so yeah so anyway that's 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 homebrew versus pre-published. this is uh welcome back episode 275 so th- that's that's saying something um anyway oh, wait i still have not rewritten any of this stuff that i keep saying i'm gonna rewrite
2: does that mean <sighs> you're reading again
3: just improv I it know. i heard you're good at that that's i've been in the last several actually last week we didn't uh read the patreon names because we were on a ship and I didn't so what do you guys up. think
1: a homebrew podcast or a prescripted one <laughs> which goes better
3: <laughs> i personally believe the homebrew podcasts are better although i like my npr too and my prescripted stuff so i don't know they both have pros and cons kitty doesn't know
2: I'm not answering. I don't know. What you're talking about. It didn't make sense. I'm just waiting for Chris to tell me to read or not.
3: Uh, totally improv. We're improvised. a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Um, By the way, the Dice Tower podcast is no longer part of the Dice Tower Network because they ended at episode 750. Uh, but if you want to follow us, then uh, go to Discord or go to our board game arena group because that's where we're most active. Uh, you can also try looking on Facebook and Twitter and stuff, but um, yeah. And if you want to record or watch us record live and talk to us before and after the show, then you can go to our website at tabletopgame.com slash live Mondays, 830 Central. Uh, email us at feedback at tabletopgame.com and hosting fees and giveaways are sponsored by our patrons, which... Fletcher is about to read.
0: Finally, a huge thank you to our current patrons. Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, The Gift of Games, Sahara Wentworth, Jason Strong, John Lewis, Joe Hoover, Danita Hersey, Jim Conrad, Lightning Steve, Gary Bunker, Peter Fleming, Andrew Fayesh, John Williams, David Rank, Sir Selly, Matthew Droke, Jimothy, Paul Romer, Nicholas Lotz, Weatherman Keefe, Joe Pundin, Leanne Verholst, Stephen Judd, Christopher Letgo, Marina Stevens, Ben Gary, Sean Peck, Michael Yanikowski, Jeremy Fisher, Jason Marks, Christopher Dong, Terence Milner, Rachel, Richard Yassi, Tolkien Fan Forever, David Radke, Brian Arnold, David Wagoner, Courtney Falk, Ryan Ellett, Dan Seed, Darren McClellan, David Garner, Tony Simpkins, Jesse Wheeler, Charles Pearson, Agnes Doth, Ron Nelson, Aaron Moore, Don Gilstrap, Glenn Cotter, Eric Slander, Adrian Dong, Eric Huffman, Jason Rodney, Justin Willard, Jerry Wong and Sean P Kelly.
3: And thanks to everyone who's ever been a patron past present and future. Until next week, keep playing games and having fun. So this new house you're at, I think We're not we there all yet. T- We're at
1: the old house still. <laughs>
3: that you're going to be at we all show up on a Friday night. We plan to be there until Sunday, and then we can play all day Saturday. We just need to find a babysitter for our children.
1: Right. Well, realize when we move in, there's no air conditioning,
3: so we do this in the late fall, <laughs> and uh, we have a yeah. one month window of good weather.
1: No, I I actually think it'll be a really good. I mean, the house has house.
2: heat. <laughs> 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 air conditioning. <laughs>